0: Good evening. My name is Stephen Lancaster, and I'm a member here at Midtown Baptist Church. Um, I know we just prayed, but before we get started tonight, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together to meet with brothers and sisters in Christ's word. Use me tonight to lift you up and to glorify you. May I preach your word in a way that is edifying to your church. May I decrease and may you increase. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, my name is Stephen Lancaster, and I am a male, a fact I hope that is evident to you today. Being that I am a male, I am also a son. I am the son of Jeff and Kim Lancaster, who are here tonight, Um, two of the best parents anyone could ask for to raise my siblings and I. Now, from either one of my parents, I tend to take after my father. I look like him. I talk like him, I have the same mannerisms as him, we have the same interests and hobbies, and we even share the same name. Now some of the reason I take after my dad is because part of him is part of me. His DNA is part of my DNA. However, that is not the only reason I am like my father. As my parents raised me, I watched my father, how he speaks and how he carries himself. And watching him has formed how I am as a person. Watching my father has helped form and who he is has helped form who I am. Now, it isn't just my father who has had an impact on me. Everyone in this room has been impacted in some way, shape, or form by their fathers, whether it be for good or for bad. While others may look at our fathers with disappointment and hurt, and vow to never be like them. Maybe you didn't even know your father, but, in whatever, but whatever the case may be for you, we can all say that we have been impacted by our fathers. In the same way that our earthly fathers impact our lives and shape who we are today, how much more so should our heavenly fathers shape and form us in the way we act? As we will see in our passage tonight, since we are children of God through faith in Christ, then our lives, our characters, and who we are should be defined by peace. We should be characterized as peacemakers. So please stand and turn with me to Matthew 5-9 as we read God's holy word. Matthew 5-9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. You may be seated. Now we have reached part seven of our eight part Beatitudes series. The Beatitudes are part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as he lays out different circumstances of life and how believers are blessed through their faith. Jesus uses characteristics that would have not been upheld or celebrated in his time, and turns them into characteristics that we are to strive for as believers, makers, for they shall be called sons of God. Our big idea for tonight will be, since God is our Father, we should take on his characteristic of peace. Now the verse splits into two parts, so I will also teach it in two parts. The first part, blessed are the peacemakers, And the second part, for they shall be called sons of God. Now let's turn our attention to the first half of the verse, blessed are the peacemakers, and look at what it means to be a peacemaker. But before we do that, I think it is important to define what kind of peace we are talking about. Is it the type of peace that we as believers have, knowing that the creator of the universe holds us in his hands? Is it the type of peace that lawmakers try to achieve when they are writing legislation? Is it even the type of peace that a mother tries to achieve when she is consoling her children? I believe that the type of peace we are to emulate from this verse is a peace that brings unity and harmony, reconciliation in a relationship where there was once enmity. This is shown throughout Jesus' ministry with his disciples. He loves them, he does life with them, he rebukes them and he teaches them. Now just as Jesus lived in harmony with his disciples, we should do the same with the body of Christ. Because just like how our physical bodies are agitated and restless when we are sick or injured, so too is the body of Christ when there is strife and conflict within the church. We don't function as a whole, and we don't have peace. associate being a peacemaker with the most significant title any man can bear and being called a son of God. Well, I think the answer is quite clear. Because Jesus, God the Son, is the ultimate peacemaker. He came down to earth to bring peace, To defeat the destroyer of peace in death and when he comes again he will bring everlasting peace that will never fade that will never have a hint of conflict or pain or suffering jesus came down to make peace between a fallen and sinful world and a holy god by dying as a sin offering in our place and resurrecting from the grave defeating sin and death otherwise we would have no hope of peace we would be doomed to suffering and conflict overcome by sin for all of eternity. Besides the eternal peace that Jesus will bring, we can see many instances throughout his ministry where Jesus resorts to peace when he could have resorted to conflict instead. Take for example, John 18:10, When Jesus was being arrested and Peter wanted to fight and actually cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest, instead of joining in the conflict, Jesus actually turns to Peter and rebukes him and healed the servants here in the process, choosing the path of peace instead of conflict. Be the peaceable person, brother or sister in Christ when they see them sin, who refuses to say what is true out of fear of offending someone. This isn't peacemaking, this is fearing man. I believe that Jesus is blessing the individuals who actively labor to maintain peace within the church. Therefore, he calls us peacemakers, not peaceable people, not peacekeepers, but peacemakers. So, what does this look like for us? Um, it can look like praying to be eager to maintain peace within our congregation. It can look like encouraging reconciliation between members where you know there is tension. It can look like remembering that unity is found in Christ, not Christ and this or that. Don't be divisive or quarrelsome over secondary matters, political parties, vaccines, homeschool or public school, etc. Hope all things in members and intentionally spend time with the member you know you disagree with on secondary matters, not to dispute with them on these matters, but to know them better and to focus more on what you have in common with this brother or sister. How are you doing at being a peacemaker? Are you pursuing peace or are you hindering it? Of course, we can also look to scripture to answer this question. I will focus on 2 Corinthians 13 11, which says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, become mature, be encouraged, be of the same mind, be at peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. We can see that in learning and imitating God's character. As we encourage one another and as we grow in the faith and as we are conscious about how we're supposed to live Christian lives and lovingly rebuking one another when we don't live up to those standards, we will be creating peace and unity within the church. So my challenge for us tonight is, Spend time in the word. Really dive into God's character and what makes him the ultimate peacemaker. Spend time encouraging the saints. When you see someone growing in their faith and maturity in Christ, let them know. And finally, live in unity under the scripture. Have deep conversations with believers in the church. Find out what they believe on secondary issues. And if there is a disagreement on matters of conscience, may the conversation be had charitably and with the scriptures open. Since we are children of God, may we labor to maintain peace and unity within the church. Now let's look at the second part of the verse, for they shall be called sons of God. What does it mean for us to be called sons or children of God? What it means to be called a child of God is best described in 1 John 3, 2, when it says, Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know he is. We will be like him. To be a child of God is to be like God the Father. It is to be a peacemaker because God is the God of peace, and his son is called the Prince of Peace. Jesus brought about and God the Father will bring ultimate peace when he gathers us into his kingdom. Now, before we go any further, I want to make it absolutely crystal clear that we do not get to be like God or get to be his sons and daughters through the work of peacemaking. This is not what the Bible teaches, and is certainly not what Jesus teaches throughout his ministry. Left to our own devices, we would produce anything but peace. We would produce disunity and chaos. What Jesus does teach about salvation is salvation through faith alone. We see this in Ephesians 2, 3-10, through 10, John 6, 44, Romans 9, 15-19, to name only a few places. We are not sons of God because we are peacemakers. We are peacemakers because we are sons of God. Put another way. Being a peacemaker is a byproduct of being a child of God. And just like our earthly father's DNA works inside us to make us more like him, so too does the Holy Spirit work inside us to make us more like our Heavenly Father. This is how we are made into peacemakers. Not through anything we can do, but through God working in us. Just like how our earthly fathers shape and form us as humans, so too does our Heavenly Father shape and form us. If we are to carry this title of sons of God, we must let the Holy Spirit work inside us to make us like God the Son. So how do we do this? Well, just like we watch and talk to our earthly fathers to understand them better and be more like them, to be more like him. And we do this by being in his word constantly and talking to him through prayer. By soaking in his word and bringing our burdens to him, we learn more about him and learn to trust him more. And in this way, we prayerfully become more like him. Now it is not only important for us to realize what it means to be sons of God for ourselves and for the church, it is also very important to realize the weight of the title we carry in order to minister to the outside world and to unbelievers. What would it look like if we invited an unbeliever to church or to an event where many members are present and they got the impression that we were not united? There is quarreling, there is unrest, and in other words, there is no peace. They'd probably be put off by the fact They probably look at the church as a bunch of of hypocrites. They preach one thing and practice another. However, what if we invited the same non-believer to the same gathering and instead of disunity, they got a sense of peace? What if they found that instead of arguing, we have a deep trust and love for one another? They'll probably be more inclined to ask questions and more inclined to come to church again. The way we carry ourselves with the title of sons of God matters, both to the church and sisters in Christ, what is the day we look forward to the most? What do we long for as Christians? We long for the day when we will see our Heavenly Father face to face. We long for the day when we will stand before Him, not as wretched sinners as we are today, but as His children, as His Son molded us to be more like Him. We will see clearer than ever before the resemblance we have to our Father. When this day comes and we finally see God, We will be in a place of ultimate peace where every tear is wiped away every tongue will confess that jesus is lord there will be no more suffering there will be no more pain or hardship and death will be no more peace will abound not the superficial feeling that we call peace here on earth but the actual real peace that can only be found in the presence of a loving and caring father in times like we live in today it can sometimes be hard to hope for this wonderful day but we know that this day is coming and we can hope in it because the ultimate peacemaker, the one that shows us how to live in peace with one another has given us a taste of peace that is to come when he, Jesus, came down to earth as a man, lived a perfect life only to die on the cross, taking our place as sinners and bearing the punishment for all of our sin, for all of eternity while he hung upon that tree. But it didn't end there. Yes, Jesus entered the tomb as a dead man, Yes, a great stone was rolled in front of the tomb. And yes, Roman guards were set in front of the tomb. But despite all this, he rose again from the dead three days later, defeating the destroyer of peace and death, and walked among us before returning to sit at the right hand of God. This is the truth that we believe. This is the hope we have. And this is the peace that we wait for. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Humbled by your beauty and majesty. You are our all-powerful and loving Father, and we thank you that you have called us to be your children. Thank you for the day you have given us, and thank you for the time we have been able to spend with each other tonight. Please help the words that I have spoken tonight be used to glorify you and be used to edify the church. As we go about our lives in the coming weeks, let us reflect on what it means to be your sons and daughters. Let the gravity of that title humble us and drive us to be more like you. Let us strive to be peacemakers, looking to sow unity and love instead of division and strife among your people. And as we go out into the world, let us be a people defined by peace. Let the world look at us in a time with so much unrest and be astounded by the peace and love that your people have for one another. We love you and we thank you, and we pray all this in your son's wonderful name. Amen.